Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, one of the co-hosts, joined today by Isaac Adams. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Well, I was going to say welcome, but I was going to say hello from Birmingham. Yes. How are you, Pastor Isaac? I'm good, man. We are... <laughs> oh, man. When people ask me that question nowadays, I'm like, there are about a thousand answers to that. But overall, I'm good, sustained by the Lord's grace, and yeah, now I live in the deep south, and so that is different, but I'm good, man. The same God... A roll tide. I had my first experience with the Crimson Tide. Uh, we could have a new podcast about that. But uh, they smashed Tennessee. Uh, sorry, Tennessee fans who listen to this. But uh, yeah, man, the same God uh, that I had in Washington, D.C. is the same God here. So I'm in good hands, man. Doing well. Family's doing well, too. Amen. Good. Well, we want to talk this morning about something you're calling moment literacy. And we'll get into what that means. Do you have a passage you want us to look at? Yeah, yeah. I would love First Thessalonians 5. Um, I just want to look at one verse. Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians uh, in light of the Lord's return. Um, and he's really speaking to the pastors here, First uh, Thessalonians 5, uh, 14. And he says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Uh, and what we'll talk about in a second, Austin, uh, and I want to just pray for us as we open up, is that I think Paul gives us the very basic pastoral instinct that different sinners need different responses. Every sinner needs the basic response of being of having someone who is patient with them, just as Jesus and God is patient with us. Uh, so we all need someone to be patient with us. And uh, our wives would say yes and amen, wouldn't they, Austin? Yeah, mine would. <laughs> mine would, definitely. But uh, th- that's not all we need is patience. We need uh, different responses in different moments. So I want to talk about that because I think they'll be useful to aid the unity of local churches, especially as regards this uh, conversation about race and racism. So let me pray and we can hop into that, man. Father, we... Uh, know ourselves to be weak and to lose heart at times father some of us even are idle in certain situations paul talking to people who aren't working lord uh, some of us who aren't working for the unity of our churches so father we pray that you would give us wisdom now in this conversation that your church might be built up we pray this in the name of our lord jesus christ amen amen And I appreciate that passage from Thessalonians. As we've been thinking about this, I've had in mind Proverbs 15, 23, a person takes joy in giving an answer and a timely word, how good that is. Some translations say a word fitly spoken. That's the kind of thing that's commended by God. But in in order to offer that kind of word, you need to understand your moment. That's exactly right, man. We want, there's so many places uh, we could go to in scripture about kind of appropriate speech which means Ephesians 4, for example. We want a word that fits the occasion uh, that is uh, so that all who here might have grace. And basically what I'm talking about moment literacy is we want to be able 
to know the kind of moment we are speaking into. So is this a situation where a brother or sister needs a rebuke or do I forbear with that brother or sister? Uh, and I can kind of give two examples now if that will be helpful, as I think, to kind of illustrate this. Uh, because I think if we respond to everyone as if they're just a white supremacist, uh, when, hey, maybe that was just a genuine question this brother or sister was asking, well, we can actually have more, we can actually maintain the unity of the church better if we actually know how to respond in certain situations. Imagine this. I'll just give this illustration right now. Uh, you don't want your doctor only ever saying, hey, well, the only way to heal this is to amputate. That might be the necessary diagnosis, uh, but you're going to run out of limbs soon if that's the only speed, right? You need a new doctor. Likewise, as we're diagnosing conversations, we need to learn, I think, how to speak a word in season. And so I think we need to be able to read the moment. I hear you. So it's thinking less about like our our moment with historical perspective and more about the kind of situations we find ourselves in relationally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to be informed by historical perspectives, no doubt. But that's right. It's, it's. I'm not t so much talking about this racial moment, 2021, as opposed to 1865 or whatever it may be. Uh, but I'm talking about, hey, when this person says this at the table, how am I responding? Uh, when this person says this to me in the hallway at church, what am I thinking? Uh, and being able to decipher uh, the moment. That's what I'm talking about. And we'll get into plenty of positive examples. Um, we'll spend most of the episode doing that. But I first wanted to just clarify what we don't mean when we're saying this. So we're not saying that Christians need to be omnicompetent, aware of everything happening around them and around the world at all times. Mm. And we are not saying that in order to do this, you need to have sort of a special hidden knowledge about the feelings and hearts of those around us. Correct. Yeah, I mean, like, look, let's be, some of us have better relational radars than others, right? The church is diverse. Some of us are just going to be more obtuse in this sense. And exactly, there's no secret hidden sauce. This is just an exhortation, uh, whether it be from First Thessalonians 5, Proverbs, like you mentioned, or Ephesians, like, hey, let's all, I think we can all think about, give more thought to our speech. I don't think any of us are wasting time or are incapable of doing that. So it's not saying, and it's, and what we're also not saying is that you listen to this episode and, hey, uh, you know, hooked on phonics work for me. Now you can work on any, now you can read any situation and you'll never put your foot in your mouth again. Uh, the work we're talking about, Austin, and this is something I want to talk about further with you uh, in another episode. Uh, it is inherently risky and messy. And that's because love is inherently risky and messy. So you're going to, you're just going to look like a fool sometimes when you're diving into these kind of conversations. There's no way not to, uh, because you have to admit you're ignorant in some regards, uh, and ignorant maybe of stuff you shouldn't be ignorant about, but here you are, you're in the church, you are what you are. And, uh, we would like to grow in that and grow with grace. So we're not looking to embarrass anyone, criticize anyone. We're just looking to say, Hey, can I be a force for unity in my church? This might help me. What are some qualities that make somebody that kind of discerning? Um, slow to anger would be one. If everything, if you're a hammer and everything is a nail, you only have one response. So if you're flying off at the handle or if you're assuming the worst of someone's motives that, you know, this is necessarily what they're talking about is necessarily theological downgrade. It's necessarily uh, creeping leftward. Or, you know, whatever from the other side, if this person is saying that they are necessarily harboring these kind of prejudices or blind spots, yeah, 
those are just really quick calculations. And it's just amazing how often we judge books by their covers. So yeah, I think um, that quality of just being slow to anger, but quick to think, uh, and just a bit more thoughtful, considerate would be the quality I'm speaking about. Got it. Well, I want to talk through this in sort of three categories because there are different ways we can speak and how we prepare to speak. So first, in the context of relationships, how does this work? What do we need to know in order to speak a word in season? Uh, I think it helps. Uh, to You need to know the person you're with whom you're dealing so it just helps to know that person's background. It helps to know their personal history. Uh, you know, you want and you want to be considerate of that. Yeah, and to your point earlier, if you're just like a, a perpetual rebuke machine, um, that's gonna that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be you're gonna cause relational problems when you just go barging into someone's life who you don't know really well and then telling them all the ways they're not doing right. You know, that's not that's not a godly way to act. Yeah, I mean, which of us likes really having that kind of friend, right? Because we don't, that's not really a friendship. It's the people who you know you can count on to build you up. They're the people who you want to talk to, and they're the people you want rebuking you because you actually trust that they're for you. Whereas it's like, hey, that person is just adversarial. They're not really for my good. And so that's, yeah, you're exactly right. I think, too, the type of word you're offering matters as well. So like encouragements are always in season. I don't feel like I need to know someone very well to encourage them about something I see them doing. Right. Yeah. I like what Ray Orland says. No, no, ain't none of us walking around over encouraged. Right. So not to oversimplify it then, but you need to know the person, you need to know the context, and then, you know, you make your best judgment from there about what kind of word to offer. But is safe to say err on the side of encouragement? I think so. I mean, or at least if you're going to deliver the rebuke, uh, you know, I maybe we'll get into this with a different question. I think we want to think through one kind of tip that's helpful for me is, you know, should I say something to this person or not? Um, Well, one test is, hey, if it's affecting my relationship with them, I should say something. So that's the kind of, you know, there's some things I'm sure I do, Austin, where you're like, that's just Isaac. That's kind of in his constitution. It's not going to change but till glory. So I'm just going to forbear with it because it's not really that big of a deal. But then there are other things you're like, I need to talk to Isaac about this. Uh, we can't really work well if we don't talk about this. So, And I think there's there's an instinct we all have to some extent to where we, we feel like we need to advocate for ourselves. And if we, you know, forbearance feels like um, not being true to ourselves and not advocating for ourselves. So I need to stick up for myself anytime I feel slighted. And right. yeah, I just, that's that's not going to serve you well in the context of just normal everyday life. And especially in a community like a church, somebody's going to say something to you. Right, where you're yeah, constantly like, being slighted. Yes. Not always intentionally, right? Right. And when you're constantly slighting others, maybe sometimes unintentionally. So I think it's easy to think, man, I'm being patient with everyone else. I'm doing all the forbearing. When in reality, people are forbearing with you just as much as, but probably more than you are with them. So it's just, if you're going to demand redress for every wrong, oh, you're going to be miserable to be around. And you're going to frankly be miserable yourself because you're never going to get that on this side. Uh, of the cross. So we just need a thick, thick culture of grace uh, in that regard. 
Uh, now, you know, I gave, that's kind of, we're talking about the interpersonal kind of tests of this. Now, what happens when someone says someone to some someone else, and I feel like I need to advocate for them? Well, then that's another category. Hey, I would probably encourage this brother and sister in light of Matthew 18 to work it out themselves first. But, you know, it might be helpful to go to a brother or sister and say, hey, man, I heard what you said to John. I was there. Saw you say it. It was just not cool. It was just not helpful. wasn't useful. Uh, and hopefully, as Proverbs says, we're receiving those kind of rebukes um, humbly and being like, this is for my good. And just being like, you know what? That person's right. I didn't give thought to my words and I should go circle up with that yes, person. That's right. And that's a, an instance in which someone may need to say something. What are some hypotheticals or even if you feel like sharing some ways where you've decided not to say something? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been a part of predominantly white churches. Uh, there's not, sometimes there's not tons of African-Americans. Sometimes there's a good number. It just depends on the church. Um, but let's just have this hypothetical, you know, a brother mistakes you, white brother mistakes you for another black brother. Uh, you know, this happened to me recently. Sorry about that, by the way. Um, and I, um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But like, Austin, what I hear, I appreciate that. But what I'm saying is like, the brother who mistook me, it was, so I guess it, the, you know, you're apologizing because it's like, hey, is that, you know, you just think I'm that black, you're just like, you can't tell black people apart because like, clearly you don't know that many. If it's a black guy, it must be Isaac. Well, yeah, this brother, you made a mistake. He confused me with a dude who wears glasses, has dreads, and has facial hair like if he's just like i actually kind of do look like this person that does happen and so he's a sweet brother he he it was a genuine mistake he just called me the wrong name and he doesn't know many people at the church he's new so like that's what i'm saying we want in that moment do i need to respond to him i'm talking about microaggressions the violence he has opposed upon me the shame he's put upon me no, I think it's just like, brother, that happens. People get confused. And, you know, honestly, sometimes I confuse you white people too. So let's just be here at the foot of the cross together and I, kind of laugh this one off. Do you see Do you see how that's different than, uh, to give you a negative example, uh, someone says, you know, you black, pe- you black people all look the same anyway. Well, that's a different word spoken. Like, okay, that's that actually just sounds kind of racist because it is kind of racist and you're now just lumping me into this group and you know you black people always do x or y or z anyway so it's just like that is i'm responding differently to someone who's like okay you're you have like four master's degrees you're saying that kind of stuff to me brother you should never say that do you see the difference between those two kind of moments right thus requiring two different kind of responses oh definitely and i think there are times when you need to confront ignorance especially if it persists or if it seems like it's it's willful but if a mistake is made in ignorance i'm i'm gonna try to have more grace for it than something that's mean-spirited i mean that just seems obvious right exactly exactly and yeah that's right uh there's a difference between ignorance and mean-spirited okay so that's in the context of relationships let's switch just a little bit to talk about speaking publicly because not all of our words are in the context of relationships. Sometimes it's in the context of statements we're making, right. or that sort of thing, stuff we're putting on social media. Uh, how can we exhibit the same kind of care? Yeah, I think, you know, social media has a disinhibition effect where you are emboldened to say words about people, maybe even to people, uh, that you would never say to their face. 
Um, and so I think one test is actually to be like, would I take this post and read it to this person's face? Right. Probably not. Then you probably shouldn't post it. Uh, that's one test. That's one test for our social media. It's just, you know, we all, you know, I saw someone joking. We all need someone who we can text things that we want to tweet, but probably shouldn't tweet. Right. Like that one, you want to just tell your friends privately, not publicly in front of everyone so that'd be one kind of test uh we want to guard against slander you've written a good piece about that maybe you can throw in the show notes we want to guard against you know there's the biblical commands that should drive and correct and determine our speech so most of us have some kind of online presence and whether or not we think folks are paying attention i think we'd be surprised how much influence those have in the life of a church yeah and i mean that's one of the things I lament is those kind of posts. They don't just stay on social media. They stay in people's hearts. They bring it in on Sunday morning and and Satan is just exploiting that to tear apart churches in a way that's, you know, I, I would pray that we would have more conversations across the table than across the web. That's something I had too, is that one of the ways we understand the season we're in and what kind of word is necessary is by living in the real world rather than living online. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, and that's another, and that's another way kind of to help us read the moment. If we are going to take what we read that might truly be happening at a national level or a kind of national headline and necessarily project or impose that onto someone or say, Hey, because you've voted this way or because you've made this one post, you necessarily subscribe to this entire ideology or this entire worldview or these entire tenets of it. Well, you're not going to read the moment well, because that's not accurate. What you're doing is reading a caricature onto that person. So a lot of us, we argue with the caricature rather than the person in front of us. And I think if we would look at the person in front of us, who's unique, made in God's image, uh, we might see that, okay, yeah, they said A, they actually kind of meant C, but I'm only giving them the same response. And it's like, ah, yeah, you, I think, want to read the moment a bit better than that. There is... We, we were talking about the context of personal relationships and how this is not, you know, speaking to the global moment. But here's where it sort of intersects, which is that I would just encourage folks, whether in personal relationships or whether we're speaking publicly, have special sensitivity around times of racial tragedy. Like, hold your convictions. You know, we can we can talk through hard conversations, but just understand that some people are more sensitive than others, depending on what the issue is. And that's informed by our experience by, you know, the kind of lives we've had. Just be sensitive to all of that. You don't need to come barging in to make your point when people are hurting. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I think sometimes we can feel maybe because it's hard to make our points. Like if I don't make it now, then I've necessarily affirmed everything of which I might find to be potentially problematic. And I just don't think that's a useful framework in which to think through our speech or to think through our like affirmation. You'll know I affirm something when I look you in the eye and say, I affirm what you're saying. I agree. Otherwise I'm just listening right now and I'm thinking through it. I mean, worldliness puts everything in the context of winning and losing. And if I see an opportunity to make, you know, argument, argument points for my argument, then I'm going to speak no matter what, uh, especially if it's a sensitive time. Right. But that's not how Christians are supposed to operate. We're not, we're not on the win-loss framework. That's right. We are all losers who have won in Christ. So no, no need to prove ourselves or one-up each other. 
We're actually just trying to build up each other. And there's enough going against us between the devil and the world that I don't need any added discouragement. Neither do you. Neither does anyone who's uh, on the other end of our words. Amen. Okay, so we've talked about in relationships, we've talked about in the context of public speech. I want to turn lastly to just in our private lives. What can we do to be more sensitive to moment and to the world and the people around us? Mm, man, that's a good question. So, okay, relationships, public life, but privately, what can we do? I mean, one thing we can do, I think that will help us to read. It's hard to read moments correctly if you only visit that library every blue moon. What do I mean? Uh, I think have diversity in the voices we're listening to and the things we're intaking. No, I'm not saying that we can only listen or uh, no, I'm not saying let's subscribe to anything ultimately other than the Bible. We're listening for God's voice ultimately. But what I mean is, you know, I hear often white brothers and sisters lamenting and wishing they had more relationships. And I'm like, you know, that's true. I understand. But hey, given where you live, you're just not going to meet that many black people. But what you can do is read the experiences of others. And that's really useful. So privately, and actually, this gets to my, you know, that article I wrote, like, hey, before you ask your friend about racism, 10 things to do, or your minority friend about racism, here's some things you can do. And one is if you just understand those experiences. I mean, this is why The Warmth of Other Sons is such a powerful book, because it just takes you into these three different human beings and their experience through the great migration. And it just lets you see that uh, my experience isn't universal, actually. And it's my legitimate experience is just that their, their experience is just as legitimate as mine. Uh, And it's really useful. And it just makes you slower in that regard. Any thoughts from you on private life? I mean, you can't expect to grow in the fruit of the spirit and you won't look like Jesus unless you're spending time with him. That's just something I keep coming back to lately is is I take inventory of my own life and just thinking, man, why am I so anxious all the time? Why am I so uptight and stressed? And then I think, you know, like I see the closed Bible on my desk. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. Mm. Good word. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you just your devotional life. Yeah, that's right. And I think, too, I mean, you can't obey the one another commands of Jesus without being involved in a church. And I would just encourage our listeners, you know, we don't. We don't always know who we're talking to, um, but if you're listening to this and you're not plugged into a church or you go sporadically, um, just encourage you to plug in and devote yourself to a specific body of believers. Yeah, and you know, Austin, we probably do have listeners. I agree with what you're saying, uh, but just for one more dimension, we have listeners who probably have carried deep racial wounds from their church. And so we want to read the moment, right? And uh, that's why we have that episode, Should I Leave My White Church, where we think through some of these things. And just so, you know, spoiler alert, the answer is maybe, but what we are clear on is you, should I leave the church of Jesus Christ? No, you should not. You need to be in some local expression. If it's predominantly white, predominantly black, there's lots of factors to think through that to that. Both can be faithful decisions, but you need to be in the fellowship of God's people. And that is where, I mean, there's something I was thinking about this. Cause I really, I was sharing this. I felt like the Lord was really turning my heart to my church in Birmingham. Cause you know, my heart's been torn up. I'm sad, left DC, all of these things. But man, there's something about gathering with the people of God where you're like, these are my people and I love them. And it helps when I'm with them, man. Uh, just, just to, just to, remember that if we only have one tool in our tool belt, we might be good at the one kind of response, but often different people need different kind of responses. Uh, So 
we want to we want to keep that in mind just as you need people to respond differently to you at times otherwise i'm i'm ready to pray man amen all right well i'll open us father thank you for this brother thank you for the time thank you for the voice he has been in my life encouraging me admonishing me um all across the spectrum over the years thank you for that gift for this friendship Lord, we just pray for our listeners we pray that you would uh give them those kinds of relationships we pray that you would make us all um better at this better at reading the moment better at uh assessing the needs of our brothers and sisters better at uh responding in ways that are helpful whether that is a rebuke or an encouragement um lord we don't have that kind of wisdom to know what the right approach is in a given moment we pray that you would give that to us we pray that we would be uh sensitive to you on this um we pray that the end result would be christians built up and encouraged in you prayers in christ's name amen amen father as my brother said we lack wisdom and your word is so clear if any of you lacks wisdom Father, we thank you so much for the simplicity of the next word. If any of you lacks wisdom, we don't have to climb a mountain. We don't have to read a book. You say, ask. And better yet, you're generous with wisdom. And so, Lord, we pray that you would purify our motives, that we would ask with right motives, not to spend it on ourselves, but to bless others in our church. Lord, we want to be forces for good and forces for unity. So help us to read racial moments correctly. Make us better students of one another better students of our speech. Help us to see, Lord, uh, that we, our words, and the tongue is the tongue, the power of life and death, Lord, cause us to be life-giving with our speech, we pray, especially on such tender issues that Satan has used to rip up our churches, Lord. Uh, we would like even for this podcast to go against the tide of that kind of work. So help us, we pray, Lord. That is our simple request that we would read the moment better, whichever moment we find ourselves in. And when we fail to do this, Lord, help us to look to Jesus. Keep reading. Keep reading your word. Keep being with you. That we might look more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our ministry on our website at youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Oh